0: There was a young man who was just beginning his pastoral ministry, and the bishop had called on him to come to a church camp. How many of you have ever been to a church camp before? Okay, how many of you have no idea what that is? Um, how many you just know someone that knows what that is? He was called to this church camp to to speak for the very first time, and he was pretty nervous because he had never given a sermon before. And so, as he was pondering what to speak on and what to teach on, the more nervous he got. And, and literally, the more nervous it got, he got, he made himself sick. And so, literally, he arrives at the camp with absolutely nothing prepared whatsoever. And he's thinking, what am I going to do? And uh, he's sitting at lunch, and the bishop comes and sits beside him, and, and he, he just confesses. He says, Bishop, I, I, I got to tell you that I just got so nervous that I... I I have no idea what to speak on and and what what to talk about and the bishop just kind of put his arm around him and patted him on the shoulder and he says young man just trust God just trust God it'll come to you so the bishop got up to get his food and left his Bible right beside the young man and the young man was thinking this guy's a pro he's a veteran and he's been preaching for years, and, and maybe if I look in his Bible, I can find some things that will be relevant and, and, and get some inspiration from it. So he opens the Bible, and lo and behold, there's, there's an entire message on, on some notes, on a, on a couple pieces of paper. And he looks at it, and all of a sudden, temptation sets in. And he thinks to himself, should I or shouldn't I? And, and temptation gets the best of him. And so he takes those papers and he, he takes the message and he comes that night and, and he speaks and he gives the bishop's message. And it was wonderful. And the bishop, after the message was was somewhat beside himself and he says, young man, that was the message. I'm the keynote speaker. What? Well, I'm, I'm supposed to give that tomorrow morning. And, and, and he looks at the young man and he says, what am I going to do? And the young man just patted him on the shoulder. He says, just trust God. It'll come to you, right? Oh, Father. It's so easy to say, just trust you. And admittedly, no matter if we're rookies or veterans when it comes to walking with you, or maybe we're just investigating what that even means. And Lord, you're the only one that can embed and, and place trust in our hearts with you, with your word. And so we don't assume anything this morning. We don't assume that everyone here knows you. We don't assume that everyone that is here or listening online actually wants to be. But here's what I know, we're here and it's no accident. it's no serendipitous meeting. Lord, you have ordained that this day happen and your mercies were new this morning when we woke up and they're just as valid right here. And so I'm just asking and I'm praying, Father, um, just as our worship team's saying, you really are a good, good Father. Help us understand that this morning, And Lord, may this message just penetrate our hearts so that we don't just hear it, but we actually do it. And Lord, your word tells us that now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And so help us to be doers of your word. And may your work be done here this morning. Here's what I know. You're at work right now. You've been at work all week in our hearts and in our lives. And I have no doubt that some of us are here this morning needing to hear a word from you so God Lord may it not be me that they hear from but may it be your spirit and I just be a servant to which your spirit can flow and we pray this all in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen well when the religious leaders of Jesus day devised a plan to expose him it worked (laughs) but not in the, 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 the manner in which they wanted it to work After devising this plan, they had a couple of different attempts to humiliate him. Matthew tells us, though, that when the people heard Jesus' response, that they were astonished at his teaching. When's the last time you've really been moved and and astonished when someone taught? I know it's not been the last couple of weeks because I've been the one teaching. (laughs) That was supposed to be funny, but... um, Don't use joke... So after striking out, they figured in their first two attempts, they bring in the ringer. They bring in this veteran Pharisee, an expert in religious law, and under the pretense of seeking truth, he asks Jesus a long debated and unanswered question among his peers, which is, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words when it comes to living a life of faith and belief in God, what's really the most important thing that we need to keep in mind and focus on and, and live out? To which Jesus replied in Matthew 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets. In other words, the entire Old Testament hang on these two commandments. So according to Jesus, when it comes to authentic religion, there are two primary components that are far more important than all the others. If you dare embrace them, then you'll never have to worry about a lifeless rule-keeping, worthless, going-through-the-motions kind of faith. Live out these two components and you will activate a life-giving, God-pleasing, priceless, purposeful, mountain-moving faith that no power in hell or no, no force on this earth can stop. Jesus stated that The first and most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And one of the gospel writers adds all your strength. And last week we called that as having a passionate pursuit of God. That's what that looks like. Last week, we we kind of sort of scratched the surface as to what that might be and what that might look like in our lives. Well, today we're going to focus on the second portion of this, what theologians and Bible scholars call the greatest commandment. The great commandment of the scriptures, which Jesus said was to love your neighbor as yourself. I call this as having a compassionate heart for others. Now, last week I told you that I used to be the Culligan man. And one of the things that I did when they trained me at advanced Culligan training, there is such a thing, by the way, that they literally put us in a van, they trained us on how to do cold calls, and if you're in sales, if you've ever been in sales, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or if you've ever been at home and got a knock on your door, you know what cold calls are. And so they put us in a van and they sent us to different parts of the city of Indianapolis and said, you have one hour, see how many appointments that you can get for Culligan Water. And so lo and behold, there we were, one hour, 60 minutes to see how many appointments we could get. And and the thing that we would do is we would knock on people's doors and we would offer a free water test for them um, to, to test their water, to see what was in it, and uh, to see if um, the, the tap water or the well water that they were drinking um, had any contaminants in it. And so I got to thinking to myself, man, how's this going to work? I mean, this is just kind of weird. How many of you thoroughly enjoy when some strange person um, comes up on your porch, knocks on your door. Uh, how many of you just really enjoy that? Anybody here? Sorry. Okay, a few of you. Bless you. God. I see, I see that hand. Um, I don't know anyone that enjoys this, so I'm thinking, what am I, you know, I going to do? <laughs> I know, just trust God, right? Uh, and so I kind of came up with this spiel. I thought, all right, um, here's what I'll do. So I went and knocked on the first door. And my first, the first words out of my mouth were, and I hope this is not offensive to anybody, but I said, hi, I'm not a Jehovah witness. I'm the Culligan man. <laughs> and, and so they kind of got a laugh out of it. And, um, and I said, hey, we're here just, to, we're coming through town. We're coming through this area of town. We're offering a, a free water test for anybody that would like it. And um, so lo and behold, I did that in 60 minutes. I got literally eight appointments for Culligan Water. I think that record still stands, by the way, so, yeah. Um, So, when I think about compassion, just just as, as water is a substance that has two elements, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, right? Something like that. Well, compassion is a major element of this substance we call love when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. I believe that compassion is a major, major element of this substance called love. It's closely related to, and some would say synonymous with mercy, kindness, and tender heartedness. The New Testament concept of compassion means to be moved inwardly, to yearn. With tenderheartedness, mercy, kindness, empathy. And here it is. I love this. To have one's heart to reach out. To have one's heart reach out. I love that. I could be wrong, but I think this is pretty close to the essence of what Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's what I want to talk to you about for the few minutes that we have here this morning. How to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that maybe when we leave this place, we will be those who are moved to the place where our hearts begin to reach out for others. So let's dive right in. And let me ask a couple of questions. Who was the most compassionate person you have ever interacted with? Who is the most compassionate person in your life? Think about them. I I have a couple people that come to mind just like that. And one of them is in this room. Second question. Would you consider yourself a compassionate person? Why? Or maybe why not? If you're a follower of Christ someone who has experienced the new birth in Christ, you've been born again, the Spirit of God lives within you, then the first thing I want you to realize about this whole idea of compassion, this this element of the substance of love, the first thing that I want you to know is that compassion is a calling. It's a calling for every follower of Christ. In fact, it's a calling, I believe, that pursues us wherever we go. In Colossians 3:12, the Holy Spirit prompted the apostle Paul to pen the following words. He says, "Therefore as God's chosen people." If you're in Christ, and to be in Christ means you have believed in him, as we talked about last week, you're becoming like him and you're seeking after him, then you are in Christ, you are chosen. You are his chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion. Interestingly enough, in the previous verses of this passage, Paul instructed the Colossian believers, who were chosen themselves as God's holy and dearly loved people, what they needed to get rid of. Things like anger, rage, lying, sexual immorality, filthy language he says take those off put those off put them to death in fact he, he says and the very first thing though that he mentions that we need to put on is compassion compassion put on or clothe yourselves with compassion now when we all decided to go out in public today and, you know, bless some of you for letting others of your household go out in public with you. That, that was just a really great thing. Um, when we decided to go out in public today, we had to put on articles of clothing, right? I mean, and that's a good thing, correct? Yeah. So what if, what if this morning, what if members of the worship team, and by the way, thank you, worship team, for just that, man, that, that was awesome this morning. What if the worship team decided that, you know what, you know, of, of all the article of clothing that, that we put on, we're not going to put everything, every article of clothing on today. So I think we'll just not put on shoes. We'll use shoes today for those who have a less sanctified imagination. We'll, we'll use Shoes. What if, what if the worship team just said, you know what, we're all going to go barefoot today. And, and the greeters hear about it. And the greeters say, you know what, that sounds like a great idea. We're going barefoot today. And when you come in, you see that everybody is barefoot. They did not put on their shoes. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if I were a person coming here for the first time, and I saw that the greeters didn't have any shoes on, and, and I saw that the worship team didn't have any shoes on, that would kind of freak me out a little bit. Wouldn't, wouldn't it, you? It's like, okay, I've heard about these, these churches <laughs> where I grew up. Um, I don't know if they wore shoes or not, but, um, man, they had reptiles in their services, you know? And, and, and so it's like, I don't know, are supposed to walk through the, these reptiles? I, I don't know. But wouldn't that kind of freak you out just a little bit I think it would be a little bit strange. And, and so, I don't know about you, but I consider shoes a necessary article of clothing. In, in fact, it's, it's funny. I have very, very tender feet. I know you were really wanting to know that. And, uh, but I wear shoes all the time. Not to bed, mind you, but I wear them around the house all the time. You know? That is an essential article of clothing for me. Well, what Paul is telling us is that compassion is an essential article of clothing for every believer. And and, and it's the first thing that he mentioned. He says, look, take off all of these old clothes over here. Anger, rage, sexual immorality, greed, idolatry. Take those off and then put these on. And compassion is the very first thing he says. Compassion. Don't leave home without it. Somebody make a t-shirt, you know? I mean, honestly, don't leave home without it. It is a calling for every follower of Christ to put on compassion every day. We are called as those who are believers, those who are becomers, those who are seekers of Christ, to clothe ourselves with compassion. We're called to open wide our eyes to see to open wide our hearts to feel, and open wide our hands to serve. In chapter 10 of his gospel, Luke gives us a little more inside information about the religious law experts' attempt to trick Jesus. Listen to what he records. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus' teacher. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, i got to kind of push the pause button right there, and I have to admit, that's a pretty good question, don't you think? Because I'm still trying to figure that out. It's like, well, who's really my neighbor? Please tell me it's not those crazy drivers that I have to deal with every day. Please tell. Yep. (laughs) Please tell me it's not the people that I work with. Yep. Please tell me it's not the neighbor who blares their music and smokes funny weed all day. (laughs) I just (laughs) said, yep. Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said. As he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. Same word where compassion comes from. He went to him and and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Speaks for itself. Compassion is a calling. It's an article of clothing that, that we put on Every day. It's to have one's heart reach out and deeply feel for others. Compassion. Don't leave home without it. Well, compassion is not only a call that that pursues us. It is also a love that compels us. In Matthew 9.35 Matthew says this, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Wouldn't it have been so cool to see that, to experience that, the Son of God, the creator of all things? Wouldn't it have been something to to see the empathy and the compassion that that he demonstrated and that, that he modeled? To see him touch people and their sickness completely leave. Truly the Son of God. When he saw the crowds, listen, he had compassion on them. And this is what he says because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Notice, if you will, how Jesus describes the people he saw that day. First of all, they were harassed, and this word means to be completely overwhelmed by problems. They were helpless. This word means to be completely dejected, downcast, outcast, thrown out. And they were like sheep without a shepherd, a phrase that literally meant to just be lost as lost could be, to be leaderless, to really not know what step to take next. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I've been there might even be there again. There, there are days when I feel every one of those things, but I'll tell you this, there are days when I see this in people's eyes. I see this in, in people's behavior. I see it when people walk in the church. When Jesus saw the crowds, he, he had compassion. Compassion is a love That compels us. When we we see the need and when we see what people are going through, it moves us to do something about it. Interestingly enough, Jesus, if you will, Notice how he responds to the crowd. He has compassion on them. He feels empathy. I want to tell you something this morning. Every one of us here, whatever you're going through, maybe you're feeling the same way. Maybe you're listening, watching online, and, and you're feeling the same way. You're harassed. You're so overwhelmed with problems right now. You don't know how in the world you're going to get out of this. You don't know how in the world they're going to get solved. I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus, the Son of God, the risen Savior, who is alive in in a glorified, resurrected body form, sitting at the right hand of God, He knows right now what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're going through, and His heart goes out to you. He feels compassion for you. You need to know that this morning. He felt deeply empathetic for these people, and He hurt for them, and He hurts for you and I. His heart went out to them. Some might say, yeah, but there was Jesus. I mean, he's the son of God. And, you know, I looked in the mirror this morning, and I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I'm not the son of God. I don't have the capacity to have that kind of compassion. I've felt like that before. And you know what? If you ever thought that? You're, you're right. You're not Jesus. And you're right. You and I do not have the capacity to love like this on our own. We're not humanly capable to love like Jesus. And so Jesus did something about this. After he rose from the dead, and 40 days later, when he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit whom he promised. He sent the Holy Spirit whom he promised And listen, if you will, to what Romans 5.5 says that the Holy Spirit does for those who have believed in the Son of God. Hope does not disappoint us, Romans 5.5. Because, here it is, God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. This is where compassion comes from. We cannot manufacture this type of love we may feel sorry for people and think, oh man, that's that's too bad. But that's not compassion. Compassion is when our hearts literally go out to people. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And when you believed in Christ, that moment, that instantaneous split second, when you believed in Christ, some tremendous things took place. Your sin was taken out. Righteousness was put in and the very Spirit of God indwelled in your being. And the Bible says that God keeps pouring His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so now, guess what? We now have the love of God in our hearts and in our lives. And we now have the capacity to show this type of compassion. Compassion is a call that pursues us. It's also a love that compels us. It's the love of Christ who when man fell, when sin came upon all man, that Jesus stepped aside from his throne in heaven, came to us, theologians call that the kenosis of Christ. He was still fully God and yet fully man. The mystery of the virgin birth, and he was born of the Virgin Mary. He was born into this world. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and yet he experienced every temptation and every test even beyond what you and I have ever had to go through. And then he gave his life on a cross. He shed his blood, and even when he was on that cross, Even when they were executing him for a crime he did not commit. When two other thieves were beside him on those crosses, the one thief who was being executed starts to curse at Jesus and blame him. If you're really the son of God, get us down from here. And yet, the man on the other side says, Man, don't you fear God? We're getting what we deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And and he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus made a promise and he says, I promise you today, you're going with me. You're going with me to paradise. And he did. And he's there right now. And even as Jesus is is saying these words all around the cross, people literally are are spitting on him. They're, They're reviling him, accusing him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. Come down from the cross and we'll believe you. And Jesus says the most compassionate words that I've ever read. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 says, I want to know Christ. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, and here it is becoming like him in his death. Wow. The ability and the capacity given to us by the love of God to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Man, friends, that is compassion, to have the love of God in our hearts to give to other people. The love of God compels us because we're convinced that people are lost. Do you know why we started Sunlight Community Church? I mean, think about this. Some of you, I had the privilege of being, they call call them church planters. I've been called a lot of other things, but we'll go with that one, okay? I had the privilege of being the guy that got to help start Sunlight Community Church. And you know why we came here? We looked at 30 other communities. But the reason we came here is because when we came here, we saw people who were harassed. We saw a divorce rate that was just exploding. One of the highest in the state of Indiana. We saw children who were being abused. We saw children who were going hungry. We saw a need of of people who were harassed, who had problems that they couldn't solve. We We saw people who were helpless and dejected and felt outcast, addicted to anything and everything you can imagine. And we saw people searching for answers, and we said, this is where we need to be. There was a a young middle school principal who even said, hey, you can even meet in our middle school. And he's sitting right here this morning, too. Hey, Bill. (laughs) That's why we came. The love of Christ compelled us. That is compassion, my friends. It's a calling that pursues us. It's a love that compels us. And notice, I would be remiss if I didn't have you notice, if you will, what Jesus taught the disciples on that day when he saw the crowds had compassion because they were harassed, helpless, and and like sheep without a shepherd. Notice what he tells the disciples. He says, he connects, if you will, compassion with the harvest. And he says... The harvest is plentiful. In other words, there are people all over the world that are in need of salvation, in need of redemption, in need of being bought out of the slavery of sin and into righteousness all over the world. (laughs) The harvest is plentiful, but look what he says. The workers are few. And notice what he says to the disciples to do. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. Oh, man, there's so much here. i got to tell you, this is where my heart is. There's only one reason I do what I do. There's only one reason why I, I help start new churches or plant new churches. It's to do the work of evangelists because here's what I know. God is at work in this world today. He's at work in Angola, Indiana. He's at work in people's hearts and lives, drawing them to himself. Did you you know that? We talked a little bit about that last week. He's drawing people to himself. The harvest is plentiful. He's literally moving people into this area so that he can empower you to have compassion on them and tell them and show them the good news. That's the only reason I do this, because we start churches that only do three things. That bring people into a saving relationship with Christ. That then build those people into followers and leaders in Christ. And then lastly, send those people out, baby. Bring them in, build them up, send them out. <laughs> Rawhide, right? I mean, that's, that's what a church ought to be doing. This is a sending station Sorry, getting a little passionate there, but I believe it. A church should not be known by its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Sending people out to change the world. Only God can change a person's heart. A political party can't do it. A government can't do it. Even educators can't change a heart. And all those are good things. Don't get me wrong. Only Christ can change heart. And so he tells the disciples, pray. They're everywhere. Pray. You see, not only is there a connection between compassion and the harvest, there's also a connection between prayer and workers for a harvest. Jesus taught them to pray specifically. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into his field. This is what Sunlight Community Church needs to be doing and needs to be praying, sending out people from this church to redeem the world. Compassion is a call that pursues us. It's a love that compels us. And lastly, it's a grace that empowers us. Compassion is a grace that empowers us. There's one more occasion that I want to draw your attention to this morning, and it's found in Matthew's Gospel Chapter 14, starting with verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, and what had happened was his cousin (laughs) on his mother's side, uh, John the Baptist, was beheaded. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot in the towns. When Jesus landed there and saw a large crowd, now get this, he's grieving, and people are following him. They won't leave him alone. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he says, get out of here. I'm grieving. Can't you give me a break? No, he doesn't say that. Jesus had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the village themselves and buy some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. <laughs> I'm sorry, but man, have you ever been there? Just go away. I mean, how many of you ever felt like that? Anybody? Come on. Yeah. How many? How many of you just know someone that's felt like that? I mean, oh. And his disciples felt the same way. the, the crowd was so large, they're saying, and, and here's what they're saying. Please get me here. Here's what they're saying. We can't feed these people we don't have enough Uh, send the people away when we see the harvest and we see the need when we see all the hurt in the world today all the challenges all the problems I gotta admit I feel like that sometimes man how in the world where do we start what do we do the the, the need is, is so great and and you just feel like please go away I've, I, I'll admit to you, I've turned the television off at times. I just didn't want to see it. It was too much for me. Experts call this compassion fatigue. And here's the thing, when we try to meet needs and we try to manufacture our own compassion, that's exactly what happens, we get exhausted. Now don't get me wrong, we can get physically exhausted but still be spiritually alive and full of joy. That's the God kind of compassion. And so the disciples in this passage say, send the crowds away. And and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And the disciples kind of reply back and they said, look, we don't have enough. Ever felt like that? I don't have what it takes. And you know what? You're right. I don't either. And so Jesus says, well, what do you have? What do you have? Well, there's a kid here that's got, you know, a couple of loaves and some fish, but bring them to me. They brought them to Jesus. And if you have read the scriptures, Jesus took them, blessed them, then gave them to the disciples and said, pass them out. And he multiplied the fish and the loaves and all the people were fed. Some scholars believe there were probably 15,000 people there. And there's so much in this passage. But here's what I want us to know is that, man, sometimes when we look at the issues, when we look at the problems in our world today, when, when we look at the need, we think, I can't do anything. And that's where we're wrong. You see, it's true. We can't do everything. We can't. We can't do everything. I know a couple of people who think they can, but God has a way of taking care of that. We can't do everything. But here's the news. We can do something. And that's what Jesus taught the disciples that day. Give me your something and I will turn it in to something that you never could imagine. You see, little is much when we give it to the Savior. A couple of years ago, my heart just was just burden, burden, burden. I, I just, I, we were planting churches in, in, the, in the Midwest, in Kansas, and God had allowed us to plant about three churches. And we were trying to figure out, God, where are you calling us to go next? And, and it, just, it just seemed like we were just at a standstill. It felt like kind of Acts 16 when Paul tried to go through Bithynia and Asia Minor and the Holy Spirit stopped him. And then just a couple days later, I, I was contacted by a friend in Alabama who said, Hey, there's this group called Compassion International. And they've heard about what you guys are doing and the churches you're planning. They want you to come And see what God is doing in South America. Um, Man, I was like, I don't know. I've had a lot of physical. He goes, you got to do it, man. You got to do it. And so, by faith, I went. And first of all, we went to Brazil. Secondly, we went to Bolivia. But we were in Brazil. And they took us not to the major cities. But they took us into some of the most poverty-stricken places i've ever seen in my life and one of the first very first days they 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 took us in a van and they dropped us out at the city landfill and at the city landfill it was it was just pouring heat close to the equator and i, I mean it was well as maybe 110 degrees and sweating profusely and then all of a sudden we heard the trucks coming the dump trucks coming And when those trucks came, there were several things that just kind of clicked into action. Um, Immediately, we saw just hundreds and hundreds of of vultures in the sky begin to just hover. And then all of the children in in, in all of the the, the small little homes began to to run towards those trucks. And and I was like, what's going on? And then the dump trucks began to unload their trucks and the children began to reach in scavenging for food and grabbing food. And we're all just in shock. What, what's happening here? And So some of the, some of the little children would, would grab the food and they would be running off for home. And literally the vultures would come down and some of them would steal the, the food from them. And even the ones that did get past the vultures, the bigger kids would come and take it from them. Oh, my word. And that day, my heart leapt. This is not right. This is not right. And as we we went through some of the villages that day, and and I looked into the eyes of some of these little boys and these little girls, five, seven, eight, nine years old, and they told us the stories of how 50% of them are sold into sex trafficking. This is not right. God... What can we do? And Compassion said, you can help us start churches in these areas. And you can go back and you can ask people in the states to sponsor these children. And when they sponsor these children, here's what's going to happen. Number one, they're going to get good water. I like that. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that I was a Culligan man? So, yeah. They're going to get good water. Number two, they're going to be given the gospel. Number three, they're going to be given food every day. Number four, they're going to be educated. Number five, their families are going to be involved in work programs. We can do this for $25, $30 a month. And so after seeing this, I went back and and I I talked to multiple people within our denomination. But the ones that came and the ones that said yes were some of the, the least of them. Some of the smallest churches says, We'll do it. We raised $77,000. We planted a church in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. We sponsored 221 children. And they're not going to be sex slaves anymore. They're going to be servants of God. And all I'm telling you is that it wasn't that hard. We did something. And as we did something... God did amazing, and now the reports I'm getting back is more people are doing something. Isn't that the way compassion works? Yeah, I think Tom and Sharon, what you're doing out here, man, fill that thing up before you leave today. It's so simple, but what a difference it can make. And by the way, absolutely, if you're looking for an organization to give to, to sponsor children, I'm telling you, they're one of the best organizations out there complete and total integrity man they're they're just they're crushing it and this isn't a commercial for compassion international although i'd be proud to wave their banner and i do all the time all i'm saying is this guys when we want to love our neighbor as ourselves, who is our neighbor it's whoever we come in contact with it's whoever has a need And that when we have the ability to help meet that need, that we not only see, we not only feel, but then we act. It is the reason why I'm involved in helping start new churches. Churches that bring people to Christ all over the world. That build disciples and leaders and then mobilize them into ministry and mission. To change this world. Because I'm telling you. Christ and his church. Are the hope of the world. Would you pray with me. As Aaron comes up to play. And worship team. Worship team come on up. Oh father. Sometimes. Sometimes it just. Is amazing as we look at this world. And we see the need and we feel so helpless ourselves to do anything and yet you call us to do something. And so, Lord, as we're here today and before we go about our day today, God, may we not leave without embracing just this whole concept of compassion, one of the greatest elements of of love and what it means to love our neighbor. God, may may we take what you have given us and may we help others in need. Maybe it's feeding. Maybe it's clothing. Maybe it's housing. Maybe it's loving. Whatever it may be, God, would you move upon our hearts, Holy Spirit, as you pour your love into our hearts today. May we be an open vessel and pour it in Help us to give our lives away like our Savior did on that cross. Help us to die daily to stuff and things and give it away. Thank you for being so compassionate to us, God. Thank you for caring for us. Lord, I pray for healing this morning in people's hearts and minds and lives and bodies. I pray, Father, for those who are feeling harassed, and helpless, and just don't know what next step to take. Holy Spirit, would you do a work this morning as we close our service, continue to work in our hearts and our lives, and may we leave this place with hearts that commit themselves to say, we're going to love our neighbor as ourself, regardless of their ethnicity, their sexual preference, their gender, their religion. We are going to love our neighbor in your name.